To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Well, another week, got a new podcast for you. Uh, this week's a great one. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. It got me fired up. So this is back at the Western Hunting Expo, and we were able to sit down with David Brinker, and he was on fire. Um, I say we because uh, Dan Bacar also sat in on this conversation, and Dan's just great. He makes such a... a a great, um, you know, extra on the podcast. He just knows when to jump in and has such pertinent points and so intelligent, such a great hunter himself. Um, so I really feel fortunate when he can join in the conversation. So the three of us sit down, David Brinker, you know, he used to work for Sitka. He started at the bottom, worked his way all the way to the top. Now he, he moved back to Oregon. He's working with his family, and then uh, he's got his music career. Um, but but he's just a great guy. I met him at Sitka and have kind of kept in touch with him. But uh, this conversation on the podcast, you guys will hear, it's just um, it's so uh, motivating and inspiring. And then there's, there's just so much great information on this one. So I listened back to this podcast and it was just a super one. So I really enjoy it. Thanks for David for, for taking the time and, and, and then just, um, really opening himself up on the podcast, you know, uh, for this authentic conversation, just about a lot of it's about life and, and setting ourselves upright for things that we want to do and chasing our dreams. And then, and then also we get into a ton of bow hunting from, axis deer and uh, talk elk and uh, coos deer and so um just just a really really fun conversation so i hope you guys enjoy it uh sponsors for today's show uh zamberlin boots so zamberlin's a new sponsor for eastman's elevated but i've been using their boots now for a couple years um i they have the the highest quality italian leather um just the the finest craftsmanship put into their boots um, and, and you guys know that I've been talking about these lightweight, um, low cut boots. Um, those things are just money for the mountains. Just a pound on your feet is like 10 on your back. So I, I've been using their boots. Um, I have a great wintertime boot. The ones that I really fell in love to with are the Urine 252s. Um, so they actually came out with a newer model that's going to replace those called their trail lights. Um, so I'm trying their trail lights this year, but I know yeah, I've tried a few different kinds of their boots and, and really enjoy them. So those trail lights are going to feel more like a tennis shoe, but have a little of support. And then if you like a stiffer boot, uh, make sure to check out du their Dukes. Um, they're going to be a new boot this year. They're a little bit stiffer, still super lightweight, ankle high. Uh, but they, they just make attacking the mountains um, uh, so much easier, great waterproof quality to their boots. And um, yeah, I just can't say enough good things about them, their company and the boots that they produce. So uh, make sure to check them out. The fit is just great on them. Um, so yeah, Zamberlin Boots. Uh, the other sponsor for today's show is Sitka Gear. Um, so you guys have heard me talk about Sitka. I just love their clothing system, and they're always evolving it. And so I'm putting my order together for this year, and I, I already have pretty much everything I need. They just came out with a couple new pieces that I that I really like. And I got to set myself up for some some better wintertime gear, some um, better wintertime pants and things. But their, their systems, they just build the best technical mountaineering hunting clothing that you can get. 
And uh, for for any environment, for any weather, from from hot, from you know like the hot early season for antelope and high country mule deer to the mid season hunting elk during the rut, uh, hunting mule deer later in that September range to all the way to their wintertime hunts. Um, I know my buddy Dan was not outfitted very well for this late season hunt, and uh, he 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 froze like he got pretty cold on that late season hunt. Now Dan's tough as nails, and he'd never admit it, but uh, you know I know that that the gear that I had and the layering system I had, um, I could keep warm out there. So it just makes you more comfortable, which makes you stays out stay out longer, which makes you more effective in the field. I love their camo pattern. Um, and, and I just, I absolutely love Sika gear. I, I truly believe they're building the best gear on the market. Um, and, and you can put together a system, uh, fairly inexpensively. If you pick the right pieces, like you don't need everything they make, but picking the right pieces, um, that that's universal, that'll go all the way from the early to the late season. That's what I've done over the years is just get a system that works that I can layer up when it gets colder. I can layer down when it's cooler, take layers off as I'm hiking so I'm not sweating, um, but they just build great gear. So thanks to Sitka for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, over there at Eastman's, um, fun, in touch with those guys. We're going to put together a couple podcasts. We've got some good ones coming up. Uh, I'm so psyched for New Zealand. I can't wait to uh, get my bags packed and get out of here and, and go experience the Southern Alps up high in, in those mountains. So I'm really looking forward to that. Bow shooting lights out, getting in good miles, skiing and running, and uh, just, just enjoying life. Um, but over there at Eastman's, we've got to, uh, they're going to drop like three new Beyond the Grid episodes. And there are three great episodes. We've talked about a couple of them on the podcast. They're dropping them all this week, I believe, this Friday. So uh, make sure to be on the lookout for them. Let's see if I can get this right. So, um, oh my gosh, right? My memory. Um, so the, the we I know we have Scott's llama hunt. So he went in the backcountry of Wyoming. They took llamas, him and Ike. We did a podcast about it. That film is going to drop on Beyond the Grid. We also have, oh, I I just remember the one that I forgot. We have Dan's Oregon Elk. I believe this is the one he talked about where he helicoptered in early season to this vast track of public land and hunted a bull out there early season and killed a really nice six point. That one's going to drop on Beyond the Grid. And then, um, let's see, what was the other? Oh, the other one is Dan's dad drew a premium uh, unit in the brakes for a rifle tag. And his dad... I don't know if it's his first elk ever, but his dad, they went out there hunting. It was tough hunting. Dan talked about it on his last podcast. He was on here, but his dad ended up killing a monster bull. And uh, so that hunt's going to come out on Beyond the Grid as well. So three great episodes. Make sure to check those out. I'm also super psyched. I've got that Nevada hunt that we filmed for, um, it's going to be on the the Outdoor Channel, um, uh, that that Nevada hunt, I think that thing came together really well. I think it's the best work I've ever produced. I think we told a really good story. It sounds like everybody was excited about it over there at Eastman's um, and enjoyed it. So I can't wait till we release that and get it out to you guys. So I haven't got a release date yet. I haven't even seen the rough cut. I need to get with those guys and see the rough cut. So I, I'm really excited to see it put together and get it released to you guys. So that ought to be a fun one as well. Um, a lot of Eastman's info here, um, but we also have, um, we're doing our, um, membership drive right now. So, um, you can get a membership to both the bow hunting journal and the Eastman's hunting journal 
It's $29.99, plus they're going to throw in the MRS book that has all the info about all the states, rifle, bow, where to apply, where the best units are. Um, they're going to throw in that book, and uh, all you have to do is text. Let's see. I, um, I wrote it down here. I just got to find my notes. Um, let's see. The, um, you text ELEVATED319 to 228 Again, text ELEVATED319-22828. And I'm not sure how the technology works there, but I'm sure you text that in and they get you all figured out in there. So if you don't have a subscription to Eastman's, there's just so much great content in there from our pro staff to our to to our member stories. And, and then the MRS um, is it, just such a valuable tool for hunting out west. It just starts to give you the insight into what units are good, where the populations are, where they're killing the big ones. So um, it, it's just great information. So if you're not a subscriber, think about it and uh, you can text that information in and they'll get you all fixed up. And of course, you can always call our office too. And uh, Melanie's our, our customer service gal. She's just great. She's um, she, She'll work with you to get anything figured out. So you can always call in there for a subscription too. Um, and yeah, with that, so this is a great podcast. I want to get this thing rolling. So yeah, I've got uh, Dan Picard sits in on it. We got David Brinker. Um, I, I'm on the podcast as well. We're at the Western Hunting Expo. Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I'm at the Western Expo here. We're at the Sportsman's booth. Um, we wrangled up David Brinker for a podcast. Thanks, David. We yeah, appreciate I appreciate it. you guys having me on. Yeah, the yeah. The last we've time got... we did this was in Bozeman at the Sitka headquarters. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I've never gotten to do it with, with Dan. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I just get to sit in and listen and maybe add something or just learn something. Oh, so. too t- I need to learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. We'll all learn from each, each other. I guarantee that. Yeah, yeah. Um, for guarantee sure. Well, that. you've been keeping busy. How's the music going? Dude, it's... It's as busy as I need it to be right now. You know, mm-hmm. it was never, I never, I didn't really design it to be a full-time thing. Mm-hmm. Literally, my goal was just to record an album and write and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's kind of turned into a bit more than that. So I'm kind of just trying to keep it where it is for now. You know, I'm working on a whole nother career. I just, you know, I changed a lot of things about my life this year. Yep. And uh, so it's it's fantastic. I'm writing, I'm writing songs for a new album right now so how nice. oh, cool good for you how fun is it to work on something that you're so passionate about that you love so much isn't that neat it's you know it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> sitting here yep. now yep. yeah absolutely. you know my i i was it was pounded in my head this is sort of cliche but sort of not my dad literally told me multiple times every day growing up that i can do whatever i want with my life and that that i within me was whatever talent i needed to do that and he was very serious about it. And I didn't hear a lot of my other, my, my other friends' parents telling him that. But my dad was like, that's, that was the thing. He's like, don't, don't think that you have to do anything. So, like, as I got older, you know, and I had to start deciding, like, you know, right after high school, and you got to start deciding, like, what you're going to do with your life. All I wanted to do was hunt and play music. That's all. And really, hunting always came first. So I wanted to, I wanted to be a hunter first, and I wanted to write songs. And I'd been hunting my whole life, so that was kind of, I was already kind of ingrained in that, and I already know how to do that. But songwriting didn't come into my life until I was like 20 years old. But I knew I wanted to do it, and I just did it. And I don't think I'm especially talented at it or anything. I just did it, and just, you know, I don't know. That's just kind of how my mind works. So I, I'm, I'm super fortunate. I'm building my life around hunting and music. That's what I always wanted to do. Like, 
eventually maybe I can just do those two things and not have to worry about anything, you know? For now, you know, you just figure it out. I don't know. I want to instill that in my kids too, you yeah. know, just that you can do anything. It's just about setting your mind to it, you know? So, um, I think people get too hung up on I hear it all the time. Well, I'm not talented. I don't have that. You know, that's cool. You can hunt all the time, but I just don't know how to even, yep. you know, you get to go on those cool hunts and you get a, I couldn't write a song. And you hear these comments and you're like, I hope you realize that I'm not any more talented than you. Actually, I might be less talented than you. Then you don't even know it because you've never tapped into that. You're, you've never tapped into 5% of your ability. Never applied themselves. No. Yeah. yeah. I have a friend where I grew up that is one of the most talented hunters I've ever met, including everybody I know in the industry. But he's just never, well, A, he doesn't want the life that maybe I do or whatever, but he doesn't take himself seriously at all. And I'm like, bro, you are so good. Like, I, you have more hunting <laughs> talent in your fingertips than I have in my whole body. But some people just, I guess, I don't know if it's a lack of believing in themselves or maybe they just yeah. don't think that way. They think, you know, music's magical. I could never do that. But, man, I can tell you right now, I, I don't know that I have that much more musical talent than the average person. I'm really, I really don't think I do. Music, I think, lives in all of us. That's why we all like it. Like, it's ingrained. It's part of us. And if you really want to do it, pick up an instrument and start playing it. If you want to start hunting, the best way to do it, you know what it is? Go hunting. Mm-hmm. Buy yeah. a bow. No, that's, yeah. Y- your biggest hurdle is yourself. I, I truly believe that. And this is interesting, and it's awesome that your dad encouraged you to, to do you. Yeah. Right? And I got the opposite when I was a kid. My dad was like, you need to get a job out of college. You need to work. It's going to be miserable. That's life. It's a pain <laughs> in, the, in the butt. But that's what you got to do. And I was like, nope, nope. And so, so that's, that's interesting. You naturally yes, had that. Yes, you, I naturally had it, and I, and I went against what he told me. And I, out of college, I started guiding at Dome, and I didn't have a full-time job. And I got grief from him because uh, there, I wasn't a full-time worker. And I would, you know, a couple months, I went to Hawaii for eight weeks. You know, and I did something. He's like, oh, you're just screwing around. And, and he could not believe it when I started working for East, Eastman's and landed that job. Mm-hmm. Could not believe it. But number one. What helped me is I have a strong faith in God, and I think that allowed me to have faith in myself and believe in myself, exactly what you're talking about, because you yourself are your, your greatest hurdle. And if you can say, I mean, there's nothing in this world I can't do. If I want it bad enough, I will learn how to do it. I will talk to people until they help me, or I'll, I'll figure out how to do it from them. They're in reality, in the, in the world that we live in, there's nothing stopping you from doing anything that you want to it's do. It's actually pretty incredible how what you just said. I was really just trying to think about what you just said about how you're, you are your biggest hurdle. You know, people say that because it's, 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 it's kind of cliche, but if you actually take it, take it for a moment, take it seriously, it is the most true thing that we've said thus far in terms of, uh, for example, I was just on a podcast with Ryan Lampers. Ryan Lampers is Dude, that guy is such a great hunter. I was so impressed by right. him. And I'm like, bro, why are you so uncomfortable talking in front of people? Because he gets really uncomfortable. He's self-admittedly. He hates talking in front of people. I'm mm-hmm. like, man, you're talking about elk and mule deer. You're one of the best elk and mule deer hunter guys in here. You know it better than any, a lot of people, most people. So just be comfortable with it. But in his mind, he's like, I'm, 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 he just told me this. I'm afraid of saying something stupid. Mm-hmm. And it's like, afraid of who? Oh, that's right. You're afraid of yourself because you're gonna you're, you're overcritical of yourself. 
but just realize it's going to fly over everybody's heads. When I sang this morning, I, I can consciously think of about 10 times I missed notes bad. No one notices. No. And if someone did, I'll never see them again in my life, maybe. <laughs> and they're never going to tell me. Mm -hmm. So really, what is there to be scared of? Like, really? And if, I don't know, I guess if there's that thing out there that you're thinking about that you want to do, literally just do it. Literally just yep. do it. Yep. And you're probably going to start out like the rest of us. You're going to be bad at it. Mm -hmm. But you can't get good at something unless you're first bad at it. I don't believe that. I mean, there are a few people that, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm, uh, my brother has a friend who he decided to get into triathlons and he ran his first triathlon and won it. And then all of a sudden he was on the U.S. team. Like he was just naturally. Oh, my gosh. Naturally <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. And there are people yeah. like that. But for, the most, outliers. for most of us, you got to be bad at something before you're good at something. And you just you got to realize that we're all in a way scared of what other people think, mm -hmm. you know, especially for those of us that live in the public eye, you know, especially hunting. Hunting's, you know, people love to critique everything about hunting and, you know, and, um, but if you can just get over that fear and just know that it doesn't actually matter at all and that it's actually not that bad even when someone does criticize you, mm -hmm. even though it might hurt for a second, it doesn't, like, you're not going to die. Nope. In fact, sometimes it may make you self-reflect and maybe change for the better. Yep. But most of the time you go, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. That guy doesn't like my mule deer. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Or that guy doesn't th like my the way I shoot my bow. I don't know. Maybe I don't care. Not like, everybody's going to like me. I no. can't make yeah. everybody happy. If everybody no, exactly. likes you, you're not being yourself. No. And I, number one, I need to be happy. Yeah. You guys bring up such good points. It is belief in yourself, yep. getting rid of that self-doubt. And I'm not the most intelligent. I'm not the most talented. But believing in yourself, wrapping your brain around the concept of what you want to get good yeah. at, and, and then dedicating yourself to it, a, yep. a learning and getting better and improving. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's life. But, yeah, we're so much of us and it's everybody everybody is inside everybody. their own head mm -hmm. everybody yep. deals with the same issues mm -hmm. but it's you, you can't let that critique get to you or or start doubting yourself or giving up before you ever get started and making excuses instead you just get rolling with it and you're going to make mistakes along the way mm -hmm. failure is a prerequisite to success mm -hmm. you know yep. and so you just have to wrap your brain around it decide that's what you want to do and work towards it and sometimes it can be scary like to like what you just did to quit your job to move to a yeah. new job to yeah. move to a different state yeah. to a different town yeah. like it's all scary to start a podcast it's scary, oh, scary. you got to put yourself yeah. out there yep. you know yeah. and and uh, so, so yeah, I think. But I actually think hunting is a, is a. I, it's it's one of the most creative and failure-ridden endeavors you could do. Yeah. You know, hunting's mostly failure. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you add up all the minutes. Absolutely. What do you What do you guys think? Ninety-eight percent of the <laughs> minutes that you hunt are failure. Failing? Absolutely. You're failing. One hundred percent. Yep. Or waiting to fail. <laughs> so <laughs> you're on the brink of failure. <laughs> At all times. <laughs> so maybe as hunters, we just become a little bit more used to f used to the idea yeah. of. But we know, we know that if we fail enough, eventually we're going to get to hold that animal and be like, "I did it. This, mm -hmm. you know, I finally did it." Yep. And then sometimes, you'll have seasons where it's like, "I did it a bunch, and it was mm -hmm. an amazing season." And then some seasons you're like, "Man, last year I was so successful, and then this year I suck. What happened?" Well, yeah. that's just the way it goes. Mm -hmm. and, 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 but. I, I don't know. I almost feel like uh, people don't think uh, hunting is being – you're being creative if you hunt. Like they say, I'm not creative. I don't know. But they're a great hunter. I'm like, man, I don't know of anything more creative maybe. You, like, step out in the dark in the morning. You have no idea what's going to happen. 
you have to you find an animal, then you have to literally visualize with wind in mind and all the different things in mind how you're going to get over there under a certain yardage, and then you got to do all the things with your bow, and, da -da, and everything's got to come together, and then you have to have like God and nature on your side. What is more creative than that? Yeah. Like you just did something. So if you could take that same philosophy that you do hunting, you folks out there that spend all year to kill a, a big buck or a big bull or whatever you do, you put a lot of energy and you put a lot of focus and time and, and uh, passion into that. If you could just take even just a portion of that same philosophy and that same uh, drive and put it into whatever else you're thinking about doing, whether that be your business or a, another creative endeavor or whatever it is, you'd be surprised how similar those two things are. Mm -hmm. Life's a lot like hunting. Mm -hmm. yep. You get up in the morning and you just got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of days you'll come home and you just want to drink a cold beer because you failed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then some days <laughs> yeah. you want to get home and drink a cold beer because you know what? You freaking succeeded. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it is. Yep. 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 It should it be called hunting or should it be called creative anticipation? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's funny to think about. No, it is. It's such a creative endeavor from the, the beginning to the end. Yeah. All the stuff that you mentioned, David, but then all the theorizing and, yeah. and, and tag thoughts all the and year. species. The whole year. And Where am I going to go? go about how am I going to use my points? Yeah. What am I going to do? Where am I going to camp? Your, What's the wind going to be your doing? Your instincts. Yeah. Your, yeah, the whole deal. And you really have to think outside the box as well. You have to think different than other people. Yep. And, and How am and I going to get away from people? What yep. are they thinking? Where do you think they're going to camp? Where do you think they're going to be hunting? Oh, I'll go over here in this basin because I think most people will be in this basin. I never thought yeah. of it that way, yeah. but you're so right. Yeah. It's such a creative endeavor. Dude, I, th I think hunters are super creative, but they don't give themselves credit for it. And if they just took that out of their brain and applied it to whatever else they're trying to achieve, they'd be amazed because they're so used to failing. Yes. We're all so used to failing all the time. <laughs> but we're good at picking ourselves back up. Yeah. We don't yes. give up. Well, we, we actually, a lot of hunters I know don't even notice all the failure. You know, even when we just talk about it, you yep. don't really think of it that way. Because you're so focused and you know, eventually, I'm going to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. You, you get you're good at wrapping your mind around failure, too, is not taking it as such a negative. I don't throw my bow. I don't get upset. I, I, I hardly even get disappointed. I try to look at it in a different light. I look yeah. at it as like, man, I got a chance to stalk in on this animal. This is thrilling. Like, that was a chance of a yeah. lifetime. Like, that. that's as good as it gets. That's why mm -hmm. I bow hunt. I try to almost spin it on it, you know? Yeah, like, well. Is I try to take that failure and I try to build off it. Or I, I try to look at it a different way. But I don't get down or I don't get depressed. Sure, if I miss a big critter, like, you know, I might be a little down about that. But my only choice or my only option, or there's two options, I can either be down upon it and give up on my hunt or I can keep going and and the the sooner you pick yourself up you get back on the horse and you get hunting pretty soon you forget about that and you're in the hunt again can you imagine if you didn't go hunting because you were scared of failing at it oh <laughs> you'd never go you yep. wouldn't go yeah and so I I, and mean, that's I, don't, I don't think it's any different than what how most people perceive the rest of life yeah they don't get up and try it because they're so afraid of failing at it. they're afraid of what people are going to say to them they're afraid of how they're going to feel how they're going to criticize themselves but this whole, I don't know how many thousands of people in here, most of them hunt, and they do that all the time already. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So just go do that in life. Well, and I yep. think you have yep. to take small steps yeah. towards your goals, too. Sure. You, you have this end goal that you want to get to, 
but it, and you want to keep that as a goal or as a vision, but then you have to set micro goals yes. to get there. And things don't happen as quick no. as we'd like them to happen. No. It, it's a it's a marathon, you know, to try to get anything in life, to try to get anywhere. And so like you with your music, you didn't quit your job at first and just say, I'm doing music full time. Here's my, like you have to work at it slowly but surely. You keep getting your name out there. You keep working at it. You set smaller goals that eventually equal, you know, your, your ultimate goal. One of the things I've realized is I've hung out with more professional musicians and professional hunters is I, and actually my college professor told me this my college guitar teacher he, he said what do you want to do with your music what's your goal and I go I don't know like I can't remember what I told him but he goes not going to happen because there is no there yep. you're never going to get there because there isn't one and that's I think hunting's the same way just because you know I remember I don't know how you're, I'd love to hear about your year last year, but let's just say two years ago when I talked to you, Dan, you're like, man, I had a great year. I killed three bulls in Wyoming, Idaho, and whatever. That's an incredibly successful year, but that doesn't mean you're done. That, that doesn't mean you've got to work any less for the next yep. year. And actually, I would be willing to bet, I don't know this, but I would be willing to bet you learned so much from that year that you can apply to the next year. And then the next year you learned so much that you can apply to the next year. And eventually someday we're all going to die. And that <laughs> never ends. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. Yep. And I think it's why we enjoy it, too, is it's uh, an ever-evolving endeavor. Yeah. And, and the same thing is live. Like, there's, there's no end to it. You're constantly trying to get better, yeah. constantly trying yeah. to improve, constantly trying to be more efficient, more effective. And, and I, that's part of the that's fun That's a of good it. point, Brian. Yeah. Um, one of, besides people ju- people being scared of other people's judgment, the other thing that, that always stops them, um, I have people close to me that do this too, is they, they, because they can't visualize taking smaller steps towards it, they'll be like, yeah, but I can't write a song. I don't know how to do that. Or I, I can't go kill an elk. I don't even know where elk, I don't know anything about elk. Well, it's like, I know. So why don't you first go down to the bow shop and let's first get you orientated with archery. And then you'll figure out what kind of arrows you like. And then you might figure out what kind of, you know, what optics are. And then you'll decide what brand you like. And then you'll figure out what clothes you want. And then you'll figure out, maybe you'll find a friend that will take you elk hunting for the first time. So you can kind of get a sense of, you know, the general theory, the general philosophy around elk hunting and stuff. And then pretty soon, five years later, you're going to have your own spots. Mm-hmm. You're maybe going to have a harvest under your belt. Maybe not. But you've, you're learning. And then 10 years later, you're an, you're, you're, you're an experienced elk hunter. And you might be on this podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in this room that are really dang good hunters that actually haven't been doing it that long, mm-hmm. but they took the correct steps yep. to learn. To There's so much information available for people now through the Internet mm-hmm. and that you can, you, can, you can become whatever you want to be, but it may only be a half a percentage a day. Mm-hmm. I always tell people. That's a good way on, to put it. Yeah, yeah. on the music yeah. side, when I started writing songs when I was 19 or 20, since – you know, there's people that live in places like Nashville. They do it all day, eight hours a day. And they're going to be way better at it than I am. And I admit that. And I admire those people. Um, but for me, I didn't have that. I, didn't, I wasn't going to do that. So all I needed to do, I just wanted to five to ten minutes a day, I wanted to improve at something. Whether that was maybe I wrote a lyric that was better. Or maybe I had a little melody. Or maybe I learned a new chord. That adds up in 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon you wake up one day and you know how to play the guitar and you can actually write a song. It wasn't that you just write a song. You're like, I want to write a song. People get frustrated. I don't know how to write a song. I tried to write a song the other day, and I can't. It's like, well, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tried to kill a 350 bull the other day, and I just couldn't figure out how to do it. Yeah. It was like, bro, 
I took a guy out a couple years ago, a good friend of mine. He'd never been elk hunting before. And uh, he's a whitetail guy, but he, he, he came out west. And uh, we went out in Montana, and we, we got up on this ridge. And there's four bu bulls bugling at daylight. And long story short, two hours later, I'm with my buddy, and we got a bull coming around. We cut this bull off perfect, and I see his eye guards come around the hill at like 20 yards. I'm like, oh, my God, it's a giant. This guy's never been elk hunting. And I'm like, all right, buddy, draw your bow. And he draws his bow. Bull walks by, just drills it, about a 370 bull. And I know that. He doesn't even know. He doesn't. It's just a, a, a bull walk by, and I shot it. It's amazing. So he, he hits the bull. It runs off, and he turns around. He's like, was that a good one? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, bro, I, I'm so happy. I was almost crying. I was so happy for him. I've never killed a 370 bull. And, but, so in, in my mind, I was like, I had literally been waiting for that opportunity in my whole life. And here's my friend. He comes the first time and he shoots a 370 bull, which I was so happy for him. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I wish I could convey to you how many minutes and hours and days and years of my life I've, I've tried to get myself an opportunity like that. Right? And then you just got it. I'm like, dude, you don't realize how amazing that that is never going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Never. Uh -uh. Enjoy every second of it. He's like, really? That's, that's that, good, that good of a bowl? And I'm like, dude. <laughs> so in those cases, obviously it can happen. But for most of us, we got to shoot some spikes and some stuff and some cows and, yep. and five points and whatever mm -hmm. to work our way up to that. And, you know. So that's just how life is. You just got to take it inch by inch. And yep. yep. Small micro goals to get to <laughs> But your I do think goal. that speaking of that, it's, it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that too when they're getting into hunting because, you know, because of how easy it is to access information of being, people being successful on big animals and stuff. And, it's, and, you know, they're like, well, I want to come to Montana. Do you think I could kill a 360? And I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you could. It could, yeah. It could happen, <laughs> but no, you're going to shoot a five point, you know, mm -hmm. or nothing. Yeah. It's hard. It's yeah. not like you're not going to. You, 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 you may not be on the cover of Eastman's next month, but mm -hmm. you might be. Yep. You know? There's a chance. Yeah, um, I never know. <laughs> I was thinking about what you're saying with, you know, you spend a little bit of time each day. Before you know it, you have a few weeks under your belt. Before you know it, you have a few months under your belt, then years. I think society nowadays, since everything revolves under instant gratification of yeah. things, so that handicaps people the ability to do that. So what David is saying is actually a rare trait to be able to do to put so little time in each day, which might not seem like a lot, but over the course of 15 years, you can have a great, great skill set because you just spent chipping away at it, chipping away at it. And I don't think many people do that anymore no it's it's, it's hard the, for people to look at the it like persistence that. like that yeah day in day out working hard towards your goals and like you say yes. you don't have to commit five hours a day no a little bit of time each day to shoot your bow to make sure you're in good shape to look at your hunting spots to take that time and and i know in today's day and age time it, it is tough like we're all busy with full-time jobs with kids yep. but we can all squeak another hour out of the day we can all wake Absolutely. up a little early if we you can all, want it bad enough yeah. you can make the time yep you can make the time and that's that's the cool thing about it too is being able to see that mm -hmm. and and the, the dedication that you can put into something just imagine if you took five minutes out of your day that you usually spend on instagram mm -hmm. let's say yep and worked on something 
It could be woodworking. It could be music. It could be restoring a car like what I'm doing. Yep. All these things that you could you can develop that skill over a course of time that otherwise, I mean, we piss a lot of our life away on social media. That's just a fact of mm-hmm. the matter now. On screens. Y- yes, yeah. absolutely. And that's a good little perspective check, David. Thanks for bringing that up. That really got My me thinking, My wife and I too. talk about it all the time. She was raised very differently from me um, in that regard. Like, she'll the hurdles in her mind don't ex- like she'll be like yeah but i and this is my wife has many talents i don't have but one of my things that i bring to the relationship which she brings a lot more trust me <laughs> <laughs> i bring that positive perspective of just take a little bit every day yes like if you uh she she loves to crochet mm-hmm. and she wants to be a lot better at crocheting she likes making things and you know it can be overwhelming if you get on pinterest and look at these women that have been doing it and they have these built businesses and but it's like, just find a new design. Maybe like one design of every couple or a month, and or whatever your whatever the little bitty 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 micro goals are to the macro goal. But don't get so hung up on the macro goal. Just know that it's out there, and almost just kind of blind it out, and focus on the micros. And it's almost like you're following a blood trail. It's like, there's a drop, there's a drop, there's a drop. If you get to if you if you get off the blood trail, if it's not like a perfect hit. And you just start walking circles. You're just spinning your wheels and burning energy. Yep. Yep. Spinning your, and then what happens usually? Well, if you're like me. Back to the blood trail. Yep. If you're like me, you end up right back in the blood trail and you just burnt like a bunch of calories. And you got to sit down and drink water and be like, okay, you idiot. Never (laughs) leave the blood trail. (laughs) Follow the drops. Mm -hmm. And because it will lead you to that animal that you've been waiting for. But you're getting in a stupid rush Mm -hmm. and you're trying to get to the pot of gold before Mm -hmm. you deserve it. You got to put the work in, follow that blood trail. And then eventually you look up and you're like, and then you got chills and yep. you're there. You know, that's how that's how setting goals is, too. Just freaking follow the specks of blood. And pretty soon it adds up and you're like, oh. A little bit at a time chipping away. That's a, another good thing. Before a season, I'll, I'll plan my hunt, you know, my fall is planned out. I'll have 17 hunts to go on. And thinking about it before season even starts, you feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm how much time you're going to be away and how much, I mean, you all know how much work it takes. But if you take each hunt a day at a time and you don't look at the end goal or at the end of the season, all of a sudden you turn into, into a marathon and it, it seems completely achievable, mm-hmm. way easier. And it, so that, that's another good perspective check on outlook. Do you guys know who, uh, well, it doesn't really matter, but I, I heard a theory on paying off debt one time. You pay off the smallest credit card first. Yep. You don't worry about the big credit card. You pay off the $500 one first. Mm-hmm. And then once that done, you'll feel a sense of satisfaction. Like, oh, I can pay off credit cards. And then you'll go for the $2,000 credit card and the whatever. And then pretty soon, all your credit cards are gone. But if you just started with the $20,000 yeah, credit card, it's overwhelming. How are you ever going to pay that off, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Um, so, I mean, I would like to think that's kind of where piggy banks came from for mm-hmm. kids. Like, my kids look at their piggy bank. They just want what's inside of it. My son wanted so badly to open it up the other day. He's like, but I go to the toy store and I could get toys now. <laughs> and I'm like, no, the point of it is you put stuff in it and then you forget about it. And then pretty soon, a couple years later, uh, buddy, you'll like you'll have a lot of money in there and you'll not even toys. You could buy like a bike mm-hmm. or, a, you know, one of those toy four wheelers or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you want. Mm-hmm. 
But no, don't open it yet. Just keep putting your, just keep depositing your money in there, and then pretty soon you, you'll wake up one day and you'll have a pretty good savings account. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, and it's it, and how you do one thing in life is how you do everything too. So you know, if it's your hunting you want to improve in, you work at it and you chip away at it. If you're not happy in your job, you you figure out a side business and you start chipping away at it in your free time. You start building something, and eventually that something will build into something bigger and something bigger yet. But yeah, it's a, you can't look so much at the big picture, realize where you want to get, and then these micro goals to get there. I just think that's so important for life. I think yep. there's so many people in today's day and age that are not happy in their job, mm-hmm. and not ha- happy with their family life yeah. or with their wife. You just need to work to, to improve those mm-hmm. and, and, and to build something else. And when you can start looking at life that way, you're right. You can truly do anything you want to do. Anything you want to do. Yep. Absolutely. There's not actually that many people that exist that are like the guy I talked about, the, the triathlete. Yeah. Uh, Dude, there isn't many. I mean, no, it's, it's that's a pretty, crazy. For the most part, we're all pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Like, I truly believe that. Like, yeah. people always say, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, whoever is so talented. I get them. And I'm like, maybe. Like, yeah, for sure. They, they, they might be some naturally talented. But most people don't realize that they are, too. They yeah. are. And they, they've never even tapped in. They've never even touched it. Yep. But it's there. I, I think we're kind of all, t- and it may not always be. It may not be the talent you want. That that's kind of the trouble right. sometimes. Like, right. man, I wish I was musically talented, but I'm t- I'm just a talented mechanic. I'm like, dude, I can't even change a flat tire. I would give anything <laughs> to have some mechanical ability. I suck. Yeah. My wife does all. I don't even have a toolbox. Mm-hmm. She has her own toolbox. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't choose necessarily what it is. Right. Right. But you can literally do anything you want mm-hmm. you can learn about anything you want and, and intelligence comes in different shapes and forms there's never there, been there's a better a, time to get it either. yeah they're, they're book smart they're yeah. street smart there's mechanical smart but if, if for me like i'm not the most intelligent guy but if i can wrap my head around the process or where i want to get i can make sense of it and i can work hard towards it and i think that's another thing is it's gonna it's gonna be a struggle it's not gonna be fun all no. the time you know <laughs> it's it's you're gonna have to work at it whether it's your marriage whether it's your hunting you're gonna be uncomfortable at yeah. times growth only comes from being uncomfortable yeah. Yeah. i yeah. kind of feel like most of the time you're gonna even when you uh, have little successes you know you'll kind of be on that little that little platform in your mind like holding up the metal for a second but then you got to get back off and you start do. doing more micro goals yeah. you do the macro goal yep. yep you know it doesn't last very long with all this said i need advice from you how can I apply this theory to coos deer? Because. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're doing it. You're doing your micro goals. Oh, you're gaining God. experience. My micro you're goal was just to find a stock that wasn't laughable. Yeah. Oh, man. How fun are those things to hunt, though, down in the desert? Oh, I'm addicted. I'm going to go every year that I can. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> it's clearly not about antler size. <laughs> no, clearly. <laughs> uh and they're whitetails. I mean, I don't know. They're just – well, okay, so a couple of the obvious facts. The weather's nice. And mm-hmm. all, those of us live where we live, it's nice to get in the sunshine in January. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, like, yep. throw his T-shirt on in glass. It's like, ah, I feel like I'm mule deer hunting, but I'm hunting coos deer. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes there's mule deer there, too, actually, mm-hmm. where we were. There was mule deer, which is a nice bonus. But uh, so it's nice weather. You, it's, like, almost exactly halfway between seasons, so you want to get out anyway. But then the challenge that these things bring for spot and stock is so intriguing for an experienced bow hunter um, like us. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it's really hard. Really hard. But the process is so fun, right? It's so fun. Immersing yourself in that desert habitat, um, the, the art of, of spotting. And I always say, like, um, hunting these different species in different habitats improves our skill set in different ways. And coos deer improves your skill set immensely. Like, you, you have to, it is spot and stalk or an exaggerated spot and stalk where you do, you have to find the best vantage points or you won't turn them up. You can't, you know, still hunting through doesn't work as good. Now, sometimes there's, ridge lines you have to cover yeah. and basins you have to look yeah. at but it, it's a true spot and stock where you've got to find the best vantage points and you've got to live and die behind your glass those things are so tough to spot and how much better do they make your eyes and then moving in on them they make your stalking game so good because it's an exaggerated stalking game because they're so tough to get in on that you have to make all the right moves and and one of my biggest challenges with those wily little deer is just catching up to the dang things they come into my life and come out of my well, life well they never sit they don't sit still because we go in the rut yeah that was the problem i found the blessing and the curse yeah i mean because funny story about that so lampers comes down he he kills a beautiful buck the second morning the buck he was after was not the buck he killed this one just randomly walked by you know who because all of us have random Boone and crockett coos deer walk by us at 19 yards (laughs) (laughs) he kills (laughs) he kills that buck and uh there, but there's this other beautiful buck in this basin. So I spend the next three days trying to find this one he was after. We'd seen it. It's beautiful. Can't find it. It's You know the, how that is. It's like they could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's it, expansive, and there's a lot of deer. So you're just picking through bucks. Nope, that's not him, not him. Anyways, long story short, I got. I just wanted to make a dang stock. Mm-hmm. And, well, there was this buck we called Limpy. He had a limp on his front leg. He, was, he, he bedded in a good spot. So I'm like, I'm going to go after him. Brian Call was at the tripods. And Brian had killed a buck. And he was now hunting javelina and quadamundi. Mm-hmm. And he was obsessed with it. So I go down off the hill after this buck. We call Limpy. I leave my tripod, my backpack. I just got my bow. It was only a few 400-yard stock. I go down there. I fail like you do on most coos deer stocks. I don't even know where he went. Um, and <laughs> I'm hiking back up the hill. I'm hot. I'm kind of frustrated. Haven't seen the big buck in a while. And I'm coming up, and I come over the hill, and here's Lampers and Brian. They're like, dude. I'm like, what's, what, what's going on? And they go, dude, the buck was just here. <laughs> and I'm like, where? <laughs> Lampers is like, dude, he chased a doe right by your tripod. <laughs> oh, no, no. And he went over. He just went over that draw. And, and then, this is the funniest part. I'm like, you've got to be ki- 30 yards by my tripod. Oh. Made a couple little loops. <laughs> and then went up over the hill. But then Brian goes, and that's not even the worst of it. <laughs> so Brian, we hadn't seen any javelina. So he, he had a tag, but he wasn't even, he had, his bow was still in the truck. Just as that buck was going over the hill, here comes three javelina, and Brian's without his bow. <laughs> He's like, what is going on? And they walk by. And so uh, Brian's just thinking, okay, I need to go to the truck and get my bow. Well, he'd also been in, in Arizona. You can carry a, a, a rifle, too, for these Quadamundi, which is like a weird-looking monkey thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he'd been carrying a 17 with him for a Quadamundi. And, uh, but he had put the 17 over across the draw by his tripod, and when those javelina had come by, he started walking back towards the truck to get his bow. And just as he's going down the truck to get his bow, a big Quadamundi walks <laughs> by him, 
at like 20 yards, which is hard to find. <gasps> and doesn't even care. Just walks by him. Walks off over the hill. Long story short, we didn't kill anything. In fact, we never even <laughs> saw any of those animals again. <laughs> so that's my coos deer hunting experience. That's, that's Narnia right there. Dude, All that we're like, stuff happening. And then the buck went over into a draw that, like, I don't even know how he could get out of it without us seeing it. It's only about 200 yards long and about 100 yards wide. Brushy. So we figured, okay, he's in there. So I just went over there and posted up. Mm -hmm. And I was... Brian and I went over there for a couple hours, nothing. Then we start impatient. I'm like, you know, I'm impatient. I just want to see this buck. Started rolling rocks and stuff. Never saw him again the whole week. Never saw him. Walked right by my tripod. So Ugh. don't leave your tripod. <laughs> Less is you, more. you couldn't write that, David. Like you couldn't write a better story of how like you couldn't get it done. That's crazy. Walk by your tripod. Those things they're so random. You don't know where they're gonna go or where they're gonna head. No, off there's to. no, there's no pattern. They them. come into your life for a few minutes and then yep. they go right out of your life and yep. you never see. And them you're not again. gonna go. Well, sometimes there was bucks we saw multiple times, but the ones we were after, you didn't. They were. They seemed to switch hot does. Yep. And like he'd be with one one day, and then he'd move a whole other basin over the next day, mm -hmm. or whatever. And we get a glimpse of him for like a minute, and then he'd be never see him again. Yep. You know. So what are you gonna do? Mm -hmm. I like it when mule deer. You're like, okay, he's in his nine o'clock bed. He's gonna change at eleven. Then at one o'clock, I'm mm -hmm. gonna go over there. That's not like that at no. all. Yeah. At least yeah. maybe it is in December when they're not rutting. I don't know. They're tougher to find. It's it's yeah. like trying to find a mule deer before he's rutting, yeah. you know, right before that pre-rut. So yeah. you can find them. They are easier to stalk. They bed down. They stay still. Um, but but it's tougher. You don't see as many of them. You can't find the bucks. And a lot of days you won't even find a decent buck. So they can be tough that way. But the, the coos deer, so I have a buddy down there that I met that looked me up, that I've connected with, and now we hunted a day. I actually killed my buck in the morning. He killed a 106-incher in the evening. He had hunted every day in January down there and killed that buck that night. That wow. day I killed mine. But we caught a good day where they were rutting good and caught a couple bucks in a good scenario. But his name's Miguel Morales. He's killed eight bucks in a row over 100 inches with his bow down there. He is the coup's master. Dang. So Squad I, stock? Yes. I pick this guy's brain constantly. He's so good at it, you know. Wow. And so, but, uh, yeah, I watched him kill 106 in front of me. I spotted it down below me, and he made a stock down and a perfect shot. But it, it was a perfect scenario. It was this big mushroom tree in between us and the deer, and he was in bow range of the mushroom tree, snuck to the mushroom tree, peeked around the branches, drew his bow, and slid out, put a perfect arrow in him. You know, just crazy, you know. But um, he says the scenario you're looking for in the rut, and, and I run myself ragged. I maybe hunt a little too aggressive on those. I'll see a good buck, and he'll go over the rise. You'll go over there. And then, yeah, I go over there, yeah. and I try to find That's him. That's what I do. And I, yeah, I'm and doing myself more harm than good. <laughs> but while the by the time I went over and yeah. chased that buck and looked for him, never found him, came back to the tripod, my buddy's seen three bucks and right. one in a perfect position, yep. and I screwed it up because I'm out there looking yeah. for a ghost, you yeah. know? But he said the scenario that you're looking for, and this is the exact scenario where, you know, I killed my buck. I about killed 110 the day before. I got into bow range of him, got caught drawn by one of his does he was chasing, yeah. and he busted out. Yeah. But he says you want to find one of those bucks that's on a hot doe, and then that hot doe beds down. And then that buck will stand there and guard that doe from other bucks. And so that's what you're looking that's for. That's what Brian's was. That's how Brian killed his. Yep. That buck just, he wanted to leave, but he couldn't. 
Yep. Yeah. And so he waits, and he waits until he finds the perfect opportunity. So he'll see a coos he wants, whether it's a 110-inch or not. He will not go stock it. He will not make a move on it until it is that perfect scenario, until really? he does see it on a hot so dough or have time. it been down. you got to have yeah, time. Yeah, time. That's what he says, yep. too. Yep. yep. He says it's tough to go show up for six, Five, seven yeah. days and, and, and get it done. But, yeah. Um, so that's me is I've got to create a few more yeah. opportunities. So I've got to mix and match that yeah. patience with aggression yeah. and, uh, and then just hopefully get it right. But, man, those things are a blast. I'll be down there every year, too. I absolutely love it. Um, and I think it's the coolest thing going that nobody, that not very many guys are doing. No. Like, it's not about the inches. You're right. Yeah. But the process is so fun. And once you start hunting coos, that 100-inch rack gets you excited. Oh, yeah. Like, all of a sudden, you can appreciate those wide chests and the, the, those antlers. And it's a whitetail, but, man, it doesn't feel like it. It's perfectly adapted to that desert habitat. Yeah. It's a desert deer that, yeah. that's adapted over thousands of years to live in that habitat. Mm. So Impressively, too. Yeah. It's a tough habitat. And mm. so I am just absolutely hooked. I think it's some of the coolest hunting going that guys really haven't caught on to. Yeah. that you get to go hunt the very best units during the very best seasons with your bow, take on the ultimate challenge, and, and it's a ride. It's just pure action. Yeah, I never saw another hunter. Yeah, me neither. There's, and the, the cool thing about it is is there's so many thousands of acres of public land down there, mm -hmm. Yeah, speaking to Arizona specifically, mm -hmm. that you can spread out people, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, from what I've seen, like we – there's not a lot of philosophy in the way we look for basin. We just start glassing. Mm -hmm. We'll drive to a basin we've never been to and start glassing. Mm -hmm. There seems to be deer in all of them that we in the area mm -hmm. we're in. The, the, the where, where Brian and Ryan killed their bucks, we we drove just random road in the dark, parked first morning and just start glassing, and that ended up being our home base in the whole week. No I, one was there. I've mm -hmm. seen it hit or miss or trying to key in on elevations. Yeah. And some of the spots I see, you know, I don't find any deer and I've got yeah. to keep going. But you're right in that they are spread out throughout that desert habitat from the valley floor yeah. to the mountain peaks. Yeah. And so you just got to get in sync with those mountains and find the country that's conducive to killing them and where the population's at. But once you put that together, yeah, you're into deer every single day and yeah. into bucks every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. It, it's about as addicting as axis deer, I think. Oh yeah. But I don't know. Axis deer, you can just get so many years of experience spot and stalking in a few days, you know. Mm -hmm. yep. yep. Dan, you're headed back there. I'm headed back. When, there. Are, you, when, are, you, when are you going? May thirteenth. I'm going April twenty something. June fourth. Are you? Yeah. They're all pretty spread out. <laughs> Do you, so when you guys go in May and June, have you been in May? And, is that when you usually go? Yep. Yeah, are they roaring? Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're. I mean, they'll be roaring. April, well, they second yeah. half of April. I've on a good year. I went in March last year, and some of them were, but most of yeah, them yeah, still early. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so they rut throughout the year because they don't have enough temperature difference yeah. to where. Um, so you'll see bucks in velvet during the middle of the rut. But but my buddy's out there, and, and Dan knows he's been and hunting I'm hoping, it for I'm nine actually years hoping straight. to connect with your buddy. Yeah, Robin. Yeah, we've connected already, yeah, so we're hoping the days work out. He's a great guy. I'm hunting guy. on Maui in this Calpo time. Yeah. is unreal. Yeah. yeah. No, Robin's he's a, he's a really cool guy, and he's a great axis hunter. Those guys live in Hawaii, so they, they live, yeah. eat, sleep, and breathe it. Yeah. So they'll kill a 30-incher when it's all you want to do, yeah. and they're just in sync with the woods there. But you'll really like Robin. Good. He's a great guy. And he's guy. starting to shoot a trap. Trad bow now, I see. He killed a pig the other I day. Saw that. His first yeah. kill with a trad awesome. bow. That's hey, awesome. I reached out to him. I said, have you killed an axis with that yet? And he goes, no, but there's been several failures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I watched one of yep. his failures. I've got this picture blown up in my house, and I've got Robin, and he's kind of out of focus with his ring yeah. curve, and then the axis buck yeah. right out for him. And 
I, th- I think he missed it. I hate to put him on blast on the podcast. Maybe not. But, um, yeah, I think he's had That's a few gotta shots. That's got to be. I took my recurve to Lanai last year, and I hunted with a compound most of the five days. But one day after I'd killed a buck and a doe or whatever, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try the recurve. I shot at a doe that night. She was probably 20 yards from where she was standing when I let the arrow go, the 33-yard shot. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, this is stupid. (laughs) 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 But I'm going to take the recurve in April. I just – it's just going to have to be a perfect situation, though. I don't know how – because they're so fast. The the place you're hunting is a pretty good location, but you're right. They're so fast that they can jump Even with the compound. I remember one night Barklow went out. He came back, and I almost had to get him a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we're going to fly you and a psychiatrist, man. He was just down on himself. <clears throat> he missed three bucks that night, and Barklow rarely misses. He's a very good shot. Uh, he missed three bucks that night. The first one was uh, 40-something, but, like, quarter and away feeding, had no clue he was there. He's like, dude, my arrow got there. It was gone. Next one was a little closer, 38. Same thing. Next one was like 33 or something. Same thing. He came back. I mean, I thought he, I thought he was done. He's like, you know what? This is stupid. But they just, even when they, they're not wired, they're wired. Yeah. Well, people say uh, shoot at a relaxed animal that's feeding. I've had that same luck where it doesn't seem to matter if they're looking no. at you or if they're not. <laughs> like, yeah. they can jump your string either way. Yeah, I've had mule deer that have no idea I'm there, and, and my bow goes off, and, yeah, they're gone. But axis deer are the worst at jumping your string. Yeah, yeah they're fast tr- twitch muscle fiber. They just get going. Have quick. you guys tried to call them in? I've done it a lot. Really? Does it work well? It does. Hmm. Yeah. Especially the does. Okay. Are you call. doing the weird sound they do? Yeah. But, yeah, the does will come in really vocal. What's the sound, Dan? I'm not going to do it on here. I'll do it off, <laughs> I, off there. Yeah. A couple of the buddies that have showed me oh, over I see. the years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, and it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if just like calling a, you know, I guess a cow elk in, if, if a bull was with it, it would work. You could kill a buck, but the does come in. Mm-hmm. It's a fawn call. My, so my buddies have, searching. have done good rattling, too. They started rattling. Have they yeah, really? Yeah. yeah. I could see that, too. There's so many animals. They're territorial, and, yeah, it's... I've, I haven't rattled them in, but I've called them in quite a bit. That's what you should do, David, with a recurve. Rattle them. Is call. Call them. And if you can find water, I mean, it depends. Maui's probably too wet. Calpo's too wet, so that wouldn't work. But if you were hunting maybe down by Kihei and some of that drier stuff, uh, you could do some ambushing, and it could work. But like you said, it, it has to be the perfect scenario. I was even thinking of like a tree stand or something. Yeah. Like find a place for, for a sure. tree stand. And for sure. I, I think Robin, they've tried that. They've Have got they? some stands there too. Yeah, that might be but the ticket for and, you. And two, it's learning from the from the, the, the natives or the locals, oh, yeah. you know. I've learned so These much guys. from the people that hunt them. Just like Miguel yeah. hunting coos, yep. my buddy Robin, Sean, Janus. Like those guys are all excellent uh, uh, access deer hunt. Like, they've just been hunting Hawaii yeah. their whole life. They're just excellent They're so hunters good all around. Excellent hunters, yeah. the, the best you'll find yeah. probably in the world, I, I, well, I yeah, would say. I mean, absolutely. Because they Think do it all the time. They, they get, absolutely. In those five days I hunted Lanai last year, um, I don't know, I might have got... 50 years of, mu- of stalking experience. That's what yep. I think. How you know what I mean? You're yep. stalking yeah. every 15 minutes. Yep. Yeah. That's why I do it. I mean, that's why I started doing this eight, nine years ago. Yep. And it's really helped me. If you can kill an Axis buck with your bow, you can kill anything in the world is what I say. Anything in the world, you could do it if you can kill an Axis deer with a bow. Is that out of this world for me saying that? No, no. I don't think so. No, it's absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
uh, like you say, the experience factor. You shorten so much of the learning curve of spot and stock because, you know, an elk, or a, uh, an elk you may get one or two chances a season. Mule deer, you may get one, two, three stocks a season. But all of a sudden on access, like you say, you're stalking nonstop. And they're so good at beating you out there. And, oh, and they again, kick your ass all yeah, the time. Yeah, you're, you're failing nonstop. <laughs> yes. But you're learning from it. And you're getting chances. That was chances. a frustrating thing for me is uh, – you know, you wake up you, you get, at daylight. You know, when you're mule deer hunting, you know, sometimes at daylight, you don't know if you're going to see the buck, a buck that you want to stalk that day. When you wake up access deer hunting, you're going to see a buck you want to stalk. Okay. So that's that whole variable's out. That's not the problem. Yep. yep. <laughs> the, your, your problem is. The hard part's over. Yeah. And, and how. You, 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 where I was, like, I don't know, I could probably see 500 or 700 deer at daylight, you know, in that valley yep. that we were hunting. And I think there's thousands, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not – but my biggest thing was I was so excited. I was just like, running around, you know, the first day. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, you're just jumping deer. And then they start – they make this blowing sound that I, I wouldn't be able to repeat how they do it either. But it's really annoing. Mm-hmm. And the does. <laughs> <laughs> and you hear it nonstop. Not, you yeah. know how, like, antelope make that sound? It's a si- yep, yeah, they bark. Similar bark. Yeah. bark. And it's all day. So the fir- <laughs> my, my, my <laughs> first my, my first day, I was so worried, like, because th- th- I heard my first barks, and I pretty much didn't move very far my first day because I, I was so worried about, like, spooking things, and I had one barking at me. But I, the, pretty soon I realized pretty much you're getting barked at the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just – and I think I actually learned that I could use it to my advantage a lot. Oh, how'd you do that? Well, I don't know. It was It's hard to describe, but I found that if, like, there was not all, that this did not work all the time, but there was some groups of does that would start barking at me, and but out of curiosity, they hadn't quite got a grip on what I was, and I could get real low to the ground, and, and kind of they knew I was there, but I could keep getting closer and closer and closer, kind of like antelope, you know how they get, they're like, what? yep. what's going on? They want to see you, don't they? They're, they're yep. curious. They're yep. really curious. And I was able to get in the middle. Where I was hunting, there was these really, there was these ditches that ran I don't know what, oh, because it used to be pineapple farm. So there's all these, used to be, but it's no longer pineapple farm. So there's all these ditches and stuff. So as long as you get to those ditches, you're going to get a shot. Yep. But getting to the ditches is really hard. <laughs> but I remember this one day, I, ha- I don't even know how many does were barking at me. I don't know, 50 of them. <laughs> it was so annoying. And, you know, half the deer will run out of the valley. But some of them will stay, and they're kind of curious. And I found that if I get in the ditch and just start crawling real slow, they knew I was there. But they didn't know enough that I was there to, like, run off, and they got curious. And I was able to get in, in, in bow range several times like yep. that. Yep. I've been caught before, too, crawling. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, I mean, I've had them just eventually ignore me. If you can hold still long enough, they don't – if they see something is not right, but they didn't really see anything, but they'll stare at you. And if you can hold still, they'll go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. I've had that, too. I mean, like, clearly they caught me, but I just held still long enough. And it's amazing what you can do on your belly mm-hmm. with them. Really? Crawling in on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, especially once they start laying down and you, they start dozing off. I mean, if, if you have the patience, you can crawl right up to them. Mm-hmm. Right really? up to them. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, well, and, and how cool is the species, too? Talk about coos deer that are adapted to the desert, but those axes perfectly adapted to Hawaii. Yeah. They, I know they're originally from India and yeah. they're non-native, but they yeah. belong in Hawaii. Yeah. They're yes. there to stay. They There's do well. no getting rid of them. But they're such a beautiful animal, that yeah. spotted hide on them, and then that mix of like a small deer body, but then almost like a like an elk rack, the proportions on them. And, and they're so exciting to hunt. And it, it's tough when you hunt a new species 
um, to not want one too bad. I find with yeah. animals, I get <laughs> yes, myself too yes. worked up with new species, yep, and yeah. then I make too many mistakes. Yeah. you got to almost relax yeah. and let it come. And yeah. you you want to be aggressive and try yeah. to make things happen. But in that, that same breath, you almost want it too bad or put too yeah. much pressure on yourself, yeah. and then it just starts going to hell around you. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the, thing, the other thing that I found tough over there was, and I know that obviously Hawaii is like, well, it may be one of the most diverse in terms of environments. I think there's like 11 or something of the climates in the world. Anyways, uh, where I was is pretty desert. Like I was, uh, it was, it's the arid part of the island of Lanai. And uh, the, uh, the underbrush is really, it's really hard to, to you got to make perfect shots. So that's another variable <laughs> that gets added. <laughs> They're really easy to lose because they yeah. burrow. They, there's like these little tunnels under the grass. Because when axis deer run, they get real low to the ground. Yep. It's, it's kind of crazy if you put it in slow motion. And when they go off to die, they burrow. Like, if, unless they obviously, if you, like, you know, pinwheel them and they just. But I'm talking about, like, a, like a normal good marginal shot. Marginal hit or something. Yeah, yeah, or marginal hit. You better have your best tracking hat on. Yep. Oh, my gosh. It is, it is the hardest so right. tracking I've ever had. Yep. Um, I actually, I lost the buck over there. I shot a giant buck the first night I was there, and I was so proud of myself. I cut him off. I made a perfect stock. I shot him at 23 yards through a hole in the trees, buried it to the veins right in the center of the shoulder. I don't even know which way he went. That's how brushy it was where I was. I, and it was sad. I looked all that night, the next morning and everything. I couldn't find anything. There was nothing. And I know he was within 100 yards or 200 yards. Yep. But the grass yeah. is over my yeah. head, yeah. and it's just tunnels. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was depressing, yeah. but I, what I do you do? I shot yeah. one in Lanai just like that. The, it was in the tall grass yep. in Lanai. This buck was actually standing up and eating off the tree. It's the really? only reason I could shoot him because the grass was way over his yeah. body or over his back, yeah. so I couldn't get an arrow in there. But he stood up to get up to that tree, and then I was able to put one in him. Yeah. I hit him perfect, and then we watched him run to the left and then disappeared. We looked for that buck two, three hours, I knew I'd hit him right, looked for it, and, and tried to follow the blood through that tall grass and yeah. through that stuff that you're talking. I got a perfect pass The through. blood for summer, especially, well, it's red dirt. Yep. So <laughs> it just, it's yep. like, it just, yep. it just doesn't it show does. up. Yeah. That, that, was, that was tough. So I, we, we actually came away from it. It was interesting. I would have thought that had been a great hunt for beginners, but that actually at the end of it, I'm like, you know, I don't know if this is the greatest hunt for beginners. Oh, you could be right. I don't know that it is. I no. mean, yes, there's a lot of opportunities. But it's a technical thing. It is technical. That's the a good way to describe it. The technical. The shooting's technical. Mm -hmm. Everything about it is technical. So I kind of came away with a different uh, perspective than I went into it with. There. I figured it would be easy. We're just because we were where we were. We could shoot as many as we wanted. Um, you know, I wanted to shoot a buck, and then you could shoot as many does as you want. They want they're trying to. I mean, they shoot them at night almost mm -hmm. once a week or something mm -hmm. to try to keep the populations down. And uh, I thought I had visions of us just you know. I'd bring my recurve out one day, shoot a few, you know. And it wasn't like that at all. I mean, <laughs> I shot a buck and a doe, and it was a great trip. Good for you. Yep. But, man, it was way harder than I thought. I mean, if you think <laughs> if you put 5,000 deer in a valley in front of someone who's been bow hunting for 35 years, <laughs> that it would be not hard. No, that's not true. Yeah, well, that's why we all like axis deer, you know? Yeah, the degree of difficulty. They, um, they might be my favorite animal to hunt. I, they're one of mine, for I'm sure. I'm trying to figure out. Why you know when I was younger I was going to move to Hawaii and just live there I love it over there I've been going over there my whole life I actually think that's if you're as a bow hunter what would be better than being able to bow hunt those things all year even if you only got to go hunt elk once a year I yeah. don't know yeah that's yeah. they I got mean, it pretty good don't they they yeah. got it good sorry guys I don't want to 
exploit. I know that they're like, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> we don't want anybody to move out here. <laughs> the the word's out. out. We can't stop talking about, you know, whoever yeah. that goes over there because yeah. it is so much no, fun. No, and it's an amazing place. I mean, it's it is. It's it's a truly, truly, truly magical place, and the people are um, are super friendly as long as you're friendly. They're very friendly to you, and I don't know. I, I love it. I will go there every year, and I actually, this is funny, this trip, uh, my wife just got back from there for a girl's vacation. And so it's just me and my brothers and my dad going on this trip. I haven't booked my return. I'm like, you know. boy, I'm Living like, on the edge. I'm just going to buy a one-way <laughs> because yes. I don't know what happened. I might get invited to go on some. <laughs> Good for you. Or maybe I'll go to Kauai and hunt some goats or yeah. something. Yeah. Too. I like yeah. the way you think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you say the axes aren't good for, for a starter hunt. The yeah. goats are. Yeah, they're perfect. not quite yeah. as switched on. Yeah. They're a really cool animal. The way they have yeah. spiral horns and they go wide. Yep. That's a great starter hunt for somebody. Yeah, I did that with my wife a few years ago, and it was it was incredible. We hunted the Nepali coast on Kauai. Oh, that's oh, right. Wow. I forgot you guys went there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, what a beautiful that. place. You know, actually, I was just on another podcast. I said New Zealand was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to, which is true. But that Nepali coast is is up there. It's mm-hmm unbelievable and yes you're right other than there's some parts of it that are really dangerous you know yeah, yeah but there's parts of it that aren't and the and they're perfect for spot and stock they're not that spooky you can kill them mm-hmm. it's not easy necessarily but no, it's, it's easier not easy, th- easier than an axis the hardest part is yeah. just getting in there to yeah. where they're at yeah compared to an axis <laughs> it seemed way easier yeah it really is when you're used to hunting axis yeah the yeah. goats seem a little bit easier yeah they won't be nearly as frustrating for yeah. you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if there wasn't that many axes, how yeah. hard they would be to kill? Oh, my god! You'd gosh. never kill one. No. Yeah, you <laughs> never would. No. Never would. No. Like if they were like, I don't know. I don't even know what, what the comparison would be. Or like if you were going on an axis deer hunt and you might see like six shooters in a week. You know, that'd be tough. Like a mule deer hunt mm-hmm. or whatever. It'd or maybe you see so one tough. shooter in a week, mm-hmm. you know. But yep. so, so thank God they're so uh they 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 mate so well. And yeah, they, plenty. And proliferate so well. Yeah. I just talked to my buddy. He said um uh pretty soon there'll be over 40,000 on Maui. Wow. And they kill thousands, thousands. a year mm-hmm. at night and helicopter killing. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean where I was on Lanai, I think they told me there was uh 15 to 20,000 deer and 1500 people. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. it's, and it's cool yep. too that uh, Lanai city is such a deer culture. I remember driving through town, you know, and we were I'll, I'll admit this because I don't really care because it's just the what what we did. We stayed at the Four Seasons when we went there because did, yeah. yeah, the we did. Um, and I was actually scared to walk through the hotel with my bow and my camo on because it's. But it was awesome. It's the a lo- culture. The locals yeah. are like, bro, did you kill any bucks, man? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously there's people staying there that are like, who? What are you doing? You yeah. know. <laughs> but like, and there was a couple times I had blood all over my pants, and I'm like, hey, yep. everybody, that's rich in here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then you go into Lanai City, and there's people driving around like gators with dead deer in the back, and there's horns everywhere on people's houses. It's a deer and a venison culture. They live on that meat. They do. And I'm so jealous because the meat is is the gold. It's the best. Oh, yeah. it's so good. I flew home with two of them, um, and I had to guard it mm-hmm. once I showed my family how good yeah. it was. <laughs> yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, yeah, man. I, I'm hoping to do um, this trip to Maui. I'm definitely hunting a, a ranch with a friend. Um, but he, he's also going to take me up in the high country and uh, hunt some more, more 
more technical country and there's less deer but there's some bigger bucks mm -hmm. like you say there's so many habitats out there yeah. and they all improve your skill set a little different yeah. way access they really improve my still hunting game yes because in the yep. open country you could spot and stalk them pretty good which is where i love to hunt them or prefer to yeah. hunt them but a lot of times you find them in the thicks or in different places that you can't spot and i stalk actually them. would love to yep. Yep. I, I love spot and stalking yeah. too, but if if there if there was a lot of deer, I would like to try a tree stand in the trees mm -hmm. where there's a bunch of deer walking under you. Mm -hmm. I actually think it would be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. I get really bored in a tree stand if there's not action pretty much always. Mm -hmm. But if there was action and there's yep. bucks under me all the time, that'd be really fun. Yeah. It's amazing when you can sit in a tree like that and and a herd comes by, get some numbers, how vocal they are. Oh, they are. That you don't normally, you might not normally get an encounter if you're spot and stalking. I guess you would, but when you're that close for that long. And they're a vocal creature. Talking all the time all to the each time. other. The all whole the herd, too. Yeah, right? just chirping yeah. and talking. Dan, how, yeah. long do you stay, how long do you stay when you go? Um, uh, at least eight days. Yeah. At least eight days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've up to six weeks. <laughs> it's been a while. But it's been a while. But, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I like giving myself a lot of time because, like you said, you get a shot at something every day, but you're not going to kill anything every day. That's just the fact that right. I, I don't care how good of a shot you are. They're still going to school you and then ninja moves and duck your arrow. There, there, so. I will not mention names, but there was folks in my camp that ran out of arrows. <laughs> yep, yep. I believe it. Bring arrows. Yes. Bring yep. arrows. This is yes. not a normal hunt. No, my, normal my buddies hunt. tell me to bring two dozen yes. arrows when I and, talk and to them. And people are like, oh, what? That, that is not unrealistic. Please bring right. more arrows. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. They right. jump your skin. You're not getting away bringing five arrows in this hunt. A lot of it, too, it, they're one-time use. Yeah, it's you're all not going to find them. Yeah. And they're either going to blow up or there's so much grass you're not going to find them anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots yep. of arrows. Oh, how cool. So fun to be able to relive and share these hunts with it you is, guys that you is. guys do. It's but good reminiscing. Yeah, thanks, David. Such a great podcast. Such a great conversation. It's really nice to see I you, I appreciate man. you guys having me on, man. I appreciate it. I'm, I love you guys and always have loved working with you. And Dan and I have talked about doing a trip to Hawaii for the last – 10 years since, the beginning, since yeah. whenever and uh, someday we're going to make that happen yeah, let's, let's all go over it. together we should just plan you, you, access whatever, whatever it is yeah, yeah. let's, yeah. let's all hunt. get together and go out man man i'd yeah. love to we're gonna do it so yeah all right sure. thanks guys i really Thank appreciate, appreciate it, it. absolutely okay. cheers cool all right guys oh man really fun podcast uh, i'm all fired up now to uh chase my goals and ambitions and i you know like, not that college is a bad thing, but um, I, I think having this entrepreneur mindset in, in life and always looking for opportunities and capitalize on them and working hard on what you really enjoy and where you really want to get in life, I think that's the answer. And, and for some people, college is right. They find a career that they really want to get into, and they put all their effort into college and getting the grades and, and applying themselves to that field, and they get the job they want. Uh, but in today's day and age, you have to be creative, but it, it's so nice that we have a platform now where, you know, you can get on social media and you can make a name for yourself and you can, you know, uh, you, you can just, um, you, you can be, you can, you can be, you can create anything you want to create and you can work hard at it and be anything you want to be. And it takes a lot of hard work and dedication, but that opportunity is out there for us. And we're just so fortunate just to be born in America now. I know I have other countries that are listening in too. Um, I've got some buddies in Australia, but we just have so much opportunity being born here and, and, and to realize it and work hard towards your goals and work hard towards where you want to get. And, you know, I, I want to do a podcast on finances too and, and, and keeping your, your debt low so you don't have to make as much and you can save all your money. Um, 
But I, I just like setting yourself up in life financially too gives you more hunting opportunities and not that i can buy these big time africa hunts or sheep hunts but i mean i leave to new zealand in two weeks and i'm gonna do the whole trip for you know 1500 bucks maybe 2000 bucks at most like um and and may even do it cheaper than that shop for deals on flights and and just all the opportunity we have across the nation just even in the the lower 48 to be able to travel to places like arizona and new mexico and with the -the over-the-counter tags and the draw tags we just have so much opportunity opportunity at our fingertips even being a blue collar working class and so just getting uh our finances right and uh taking care of our family and and our obligations there taking care of our work you just get your 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 life right and then all of a sudden you get more time to do what you love to do. And, and, you know, for me, that's obviously hunting and fishing is to get as much time doing that as I can because we get one chance at this life and you want to make the most of it. So anyways, not to get on my high horse, David did plenty of uh, good speaking on the podcast just about chasing your dreams as he's chasing his mu- music dreams and he's really put himself out there to create everything that it, that he has. And so um, I just find that so inspiring and I just want to... I want to continue that trend and and continue to work hard at what I love to do and and what I love to do you know one of the things is this podcast and and then the the filming and the writing I'm writing an article right now like I love anything to do with hunting where I'm thinking about hunting and theorizing and trying to get better that's what drives me and it's also what makes me happy us in life we have to have passion and if your only passion is money, like, what are you working for? Like, for me, I, I, you know, I, I'm working for personal happiness. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, you need money to survive and you need money to pay bills and you need to be in a good financial position to be able to do the things you like. But part of that's just not putting yourself into debt, not having to make as much money, not, you know, living inside your means. Um, but anyways, just a great podcast with David. I really appreciate that that guy being on and I want to continue to have him on he was on fire on that podcast I really enjoyed it so we're going to get him on continue to get good guests and just uh continue to bring you guys uh, next level content next level information to make your life better to make your hunting better um you know that's that's our mission statement and our goal here so I get talking too quick trying to fit in too much in these intros and endings, but it's kind of like a little personal podcast where I hit record and then whatever's in the forefront of my mind just comes out. Um, So I I really like sharing with you guys on these intros and endings. So um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, and I, and I also like these sponsors that, that, um, that support us here on the podcast. I mean, they help pay for all these adventures I'm going on. And so uh, I use all their products. I believe in all their products, believe in them as companies. And and I really appreciate you guys supporting those companies too that we have on the podcast. It just brings weight to what we're doing here. Um, so I want to thank Zamberlin. They're a new sponsor this year, but I've been using them a couple years. Um, God, they're just making the best boots out there. I'm really impressed. Like I say, I love that Yearn 252. I've got two pairs of those that I've been using. And now they're their uh, that trail light is going to be their next shoe that replaces that one so i'm really pumped to get those on my feet and get uh, trying those out as well so i'm going to get my order in here so i can get a pair of those and uh and then if you like a little stiffer boot check out the duke um i'm also i'm using another bigger full height boot for winter time that's um pretty stiff it's like a mountaineering boot uh, I've really enjoyed them for hiking in the snow and then for this cross-country skiing I'm doing. Man, those things are just perfect, just money. And the the key to keeping your feet warm is keeping them dry. 
and that Gore-Tex just seems to wear out so quick. These All my pairs of, of Zamberlin boots are still waterproof to this day, which is absolutely amazing. To be able to keep my feet dry in this wet snow, wet rain, like, like that's the key. And so they do a really good job with their waterproofing, finest Italian leather, just a great boot, great company, thanks to those guys. The other sponsor for today's show is Sick Gear. You guys know how much I love Sick Gear. Um, and, and I'm shopping right now to place my order and to try to supplement kind of some of the stuff that I have. I wore out my puffball jacket. I need a new one of those. Need some wintertime pants. They've got that. I was telling you guys about that that layer they had, that lightweight hoodie that's sleeveless. I, I want to get one of those. It just seems like a really good layer. But you can make do with less as well. Like just to have a few pieces of Sitka that you can layer up and use – you just get the benefit of using that technical mountaineering gear without having to wrap a fortune into it. So just look at getting a, a couple key pieces to, to your system and then try to add to it every year um, is what I've, you know, kind of the way I've approached it. So um, thanks, Sitka's just making the best gear out there. Make sure to check them out. And with that, Eastman's, um, again, check out those three Beyond the Grids that are coming out. Um, check out, be on the lookout for that Nevada hunt of mine. It's going to be out on the Outdoor Channel. Um, and, and then also, if you don't have a subscription to Eastman's, think about getting one of those. The MRS section is just so valuable. And then just the next level content about Western hunting um, it is great. It really put out a good magazine that we all really work hard at. So uh, if you um, are technology... Uh, technologically advanced um, you can do that text number I I'm still not sure how that works but I'm sure they've got all the uh, all the kinks in the system worked out so basically let me look this up again so you text elevated 319 to 22828 um, and it's good too if you're going to get a subscription and do it through that text you know you give this podcast credit and weight um, you know to to your subscription that this is where you heard about it and and uh, it just shows support for the podcast for me you know to Eastman's so um, anyways uh, if you're interested in a subscription make sure to check that out I think I covered all the Eastman's news covered our sponsors yep um yeah get some podcasts ready for you guys and then take off to new zealand and then i'm gonna record some good ones while i'm there so i got some good guests lined up um yeah i'm gonna hunt new zealand like a madman can't wait for those southern alps my legs are so ready my bow is so ready uh i am so prepared and i'm not going with a a goal per se like i don't even need to arrow anything i want to see my buddies be successful but i'm sure i'll get my chance here or there to go make a stock or make a play on something so i'm just super excited to show up take a bunch of really good photos have a bunch of uh, laughs and fun with my friends and and just go experience new zealand for the first time so i am absolutely pumped for that so that's what I'm working towards. Um, hiking around here, saw one horn bull last night. God dang it, I just didn't have enough time to make the ridge. I worked till 5, and I made the trailhead, and I had been skiing in there, and I tried to go run in there because there's some bare dirt in there. I tried to go run in there yesterday, and it took me longer to get in there. And uh, I just got in there and ran out of time. I had to get back. I, I mean, I still got home at 8.30 or so, and it was dark. But um, I got back down to the bottom and threw my glass up there, and there was a big one-horn six-point walking around. So I got to get back up that ridge and go find that horn. I got to go get some work done today, get this podcast done. But I'm hoping maybe this afternoon I can get back in there. Worst-case scenario um, tomorrow getting in there. So I got down to the bottom, saw that one horn bull. There hasn't been any tracks in there yet, but I'm sure it's coming. So 
if I get beat to them, I get beat to them. And, and two, I like to leave those bulls up there because they're shedding right now and they're going back on these ridge lines and shedding and there's a big group of them. And if you go in in the middle of the day and bust those bulls out of there, they're going to relocate. Well, right now they're coming back and forth in there, but it's a fine line. You leave them too long, somebody else is going to get in there and, you know, hopefully they don't. I like to get in and not bump them and leave them there. But the truth is, is if you got to walk all their bedding grounds in the middle of the day where they're bedding, you're going to run into those bulls and bump them out of that location. I'm just not, I don't know if I'm quite ready to do that yet, but it's coming. I got to I got to get in there and see if I can find some of those things. So the elk are wintering good now. We had a tough February, but a lot of grass showing now. These bulls look nice and healthy. Um, so I'm sure there's going to be some more dropping. It seems like it's happening late this year, but uh, I'm excited to get in there. And uh, also, it's just going to be such tra- good training for New Zealand, too. Like, uh, you know, hunting horns, you just, I mean, we have a saying that you walk till you hallucinate. You just, you just keep walking all day long, pounding through deep snow, post-holing through snow. And so it's an adventure. So I think I got my buddy Dan coming down. He's going to come down Friday. I want to do a backpacking podcast with him. And then I think I had another buddy that hit me up that's going to be around Saturday. He might join in, whoever's welcome, and whatever. I'm just going to go get to the mountains and go cover some miles and uh, go have some fun with buddies and walk till we hallucinate. But uh, it's going to be a good time. Fishing also is off the hook right now. I got to get to the river. Uh, So much time with daylight savings time here. Um, So many great things to do and then try to fit some work in between there. So um, uh, thanks a bunch, you guys, for all the support. Um, the iTunes reviews really helped me out. You guys have been putting a bunch of those on lately. I really appreciate the kind words and support for the podcast. Uh, really support the the social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all as Eastman's Elevated. Oh, I got to get on there. It's been about a week. I've just been so busy here. I, I got to keep posting content. It's such a great place to put content, you know, every day free content to, to people and share my pictures and stories and things and I kind of got out of the habit here this last week so I need to get on there today and and make a couple posts and keep doing it it's again that's a fine line between not being addicted to your phone and and still being in touch and connected to your audience and and uh, people that you enjoy and I love supporting you guys on there love reading the personal messages and when you guys are successful, but it's a fine line. I don't want to be on my phone. I look at that screen time every week and, and I'm horrified. You know, it's like, how could I spend, you know, whatever it is. And everybody's different. I mean, me right now, I'm like two and a half hours a day on my phone. Now, some of that's Onyx, some of that's scouting on the couch, some of that's necessary email, text messages, but some of that's just scanning through BS, you know, <laughs> like uh, some of it's just wasting time. And, uh, you know, that's a, if I take all that time for a week, you're talking 14 hours a week. Like I could get more miles in. I could get more done around the house. I can get more done at my work. And so I'm just trying to be efficient with my time, um, but find a good balance. So I, all or none is not a good balance. I need to find somewhere in the middle. So I'll work on that. But thanks, you guys, for the support. I appreciate it. Uh, let's get this podcast out to you guys, and uh, I'll uh, check in with you next week. Oh, also be on the lookout. I got it around the campfire with Mike Eastman. I got to get that edited and out. I'll try to get it done today or maybe tomorrow early in the morning and get that out. But another great story by Mike Eastman. That guy's such a great storyteller. So be on the lookout for that. Uh God, did I fit it? It's a 15 minute ending. I, I got to cut this off and, and uh, shut this down. I got to be quicker and more concise. Um, I definitely spoke uh, quickly enough. I feel like I'm, I'm speaking a million 
words a minute, but uh, I'll, I'll try to get better at these endings so they don't drag on all, um, too long. But uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it.